This is Susan B. Brock, Telluride Inside and Out. On January 10th, Outside Magazine published an article on sunscreen by Rowan Jacobson. The piece stated that current guidelines for sun exposure are unhealthy and unscientific, at least according to controversial new research. And the article poses the question, how did we get it so wrong? The basic tenet of the Jacobson piece appears to be that we are overprotecting ourselves from the sun at the detriment of our health and well-being. Today we are speaking with Dr. Alan Softy, a world-renowned internist and gastroenterologist with encyclopedic knowledge of mind-body wellness and preventative medicine. Dr. Softy posts regularly on Telluride Inside Now under the banner of To Your Health. And Dr. Softy will, will be returning this winter to Telluride to do a series of lectures at the Peaks, uh, sponsored by the Telluride Ski Resort. He then returns this summer with his Live Longer Retreat Series, an evidence-based scientific approach to health and longevity, featuring an experienced staff of medical professionals, personal trainers, and more. When Dr. Softy saw the outside article, he became alarmed and wanted to respond to the many false misleading claims. So here goes. Dr. Softy, thanks for taking time out of your robust schedule to join me. Thank you, Susan. I really appreciate you having me. So you've taken on the vitamin supplement business time and again, and you're clearly no fan of the industry. But you left space for the real need for certain supplements. In the outside article, Rowan Jacobson claims zero benefit from vitamin D supplementation. What is your position? Yeah, that's some of the things that alarmed me the most in this article was, you know, the absolutes, the way it was written. Zero evidence for, you know, benefit is, you know, in my mind, wrong, premature, and misleading. Um, If we look at some of the vitamin D studies that have been done, whether it be negative, um, you know, in regards to depressive symptoms, um, vitamin D has shown, vitamin D supplementation, not from sunlight, has shown um, potential benefit. Um, some of the cardiovascular ones, one of the things that he pointed to was a vital study, which was a 5.3-year study recently published, and I think we uh, wrote an article that you can find on Telluride uh, Inside and Out uh, to your health. But essentially, let me point out some of the sub, uh, you know, we do a sub-analysis of every study, So in this study, in 5.3 years, no, there was no dramatic decrease in cancer, although there was less number, 793 versus 824. And there was actually less cardiovascular disease, but not statistically significant. But if you look at sub-analysis, people of normal body mass index, normal weight patients, um, vitamin D, they had a lower incidence of cancer than those who received placebo. This was with a supplement. I don't know where he came up with this. I don't think he actually looked at the data within the study. Uh, Another important factor was omega-3s. Did happen to reduce total myocardial infarctions, especially in people that didn't get an omega-3-rich fish. So we have lots of studies to show vitamin D and adequate vitamin D levels may help brain health. Um, Just because it fails for one thing doesn't mean it's going to fail for everything. The development of Alzheimer's disease, or any type of dementia was significantly higher in subjects that were deficient in vitamin D or insufficient. Um, And this was the supplement not being out in sunshine for X amount of minutes. 
in the vital study, it was absolutely a supplement. It was not being out in the sunshine. There's other studies. There was a study, uh, I can't remember exactly when it was. I mean, there's breast cancer and colon cancer studies. Um, most of those patients or a lot of those patients were on supplements. We just looked at 25-hydroxyvitamin D levels, which would be the same if you got it from sunlight versus if you got it from a supplement. Um, and there was a lower incidence of breast cancer. There was a lower incidence of colorectal cancer. Um, so, you know, there was an asthma study published back in, I believe, 2016. And that, again, was vitamin D supplementation um, reduced the exacerbation risk. Now, do we need to repeat these studies and validate these studies? Absolutely. But to make a premature comment like that, um, I take great offense. Okay. Let's back up a little bit. What is your position on sunscreens and sun exposure in general against the risks of sun cancer, risks that Jacob, Jacobson largely poo-poo's in the story through his, in quotes, sources? Yeah, I mean, first of all, when you put sunscreen on, you are going to have sun exposure. You know, we're not changing what goes in through your eyes. You still have, it may change melatonin. You may feel better when you get out in the sunlight, even if you have sunscreen on. Lots of us live in different environments. You're in Telluride. Uh, I'm near sea level. In Telluride, your sun exposure is enormous. And we're not just talking about, you know, the negative health uh, effects just with skin cancer. We're talking about sunburns, the skin cancers of melanoma, lip cancer, other type of skin cancers, ocular disease, cataracts that can develop from excessive exposure to the sunlight. So even though you're putting on sunscreen and you are still getting some exposure to sunlight, in fact, quite a bit of exposure. And when you're skiing, you're getting exposure twice as the sun comes down from the sky and as it comes back up from the sun. Same thing with sand, same thing from water. From the snow. Back up from the snow. snow. Yeah, Yeah. I'm sorry. Um, Yeah, we have snow, we have water, we have sand. So you're getting two exposures then, you know, as it's coming down from the sky and as it's coming back from the reflective surfaces. And we have to remember American sunscreens don't really meet European standards. Um, most of, not all the sunscreens in the U.S. meet these standards. We look at SPF, um, which measures protection against UVB, doesn't look at protection against UVA like they do in Europe. But So we're still getting sun exposure. So to say you're getting no sun exposure, um, you know, when you're putting on sunscreen is ridiculous. You are getting sun exposure. We still have ocular exposure or eye exposure. So we don't even know, you know, what he is claiming that these sunscreens are that detrimental or real. We need a prospective study where we take people and look at them prospectively, not a retrospective look. Okay. Please respond to this claim in Jacobson's story. He says skin cancer kills surprisingly few people less than three per 100,000 in the U.S. each year. For every person who dies of skin cancer, more than 100 die from cardiovascular diseases. Ergo, he is saying, you should be out in the sun because... Yeah, ergo, don't worry about it. Um, and ergo, don't worry about it, yeah. I mean, I find that ludicrous. I mean, if we look at all cancers of the skin, I mean, there's... Several different cancers. We have basal cell carcinoma, which increased by about 145% since 1976 to 1984, 
ranged all the way up to 2010, so it's increased 145%. Squamous cell carcinoma has increased 263%, um, mainly because of sun exposure. So those are the non-melanotic uh, type of cancers that we get. The melanomas, you know, he's stating, don't kill that many people. Well, you know, 10,000 people or 9,300 people uh, for that, and we have two to 3,000 or more of the other type of skin cancers that have died, that's right up there with uterine cancer. We have not given up the idea of treating uterine cancers or preventing uterine cancer. Uh, if we look at common types of cancer, it's number five uh, on the list of cancers, right behind breast, lung, mainly from smoking, prostate, colorectal cancer, and then comes melanoma. So even though, even if you don't die from this, and there is a high survival rate of found early, mm -hmm. Uh, a lot of people okay. go through disfiguring surgeries, multiple surgeries, chemotherapy. Um, I don't think anybody would wish anybody to have a melanoma or go through an extensive surgical operation for that. So it's not that people don't die if we include all the different types of skin cancers, you know, uh, squamous cell and some of these other types of skin cancers along with melanomas. A significant number of people die. So it's not something that we want to say, okay, we're not going to look for this, and we're not going to prevent it. This is a preventable type of cancer, you know, not 100%, but by using sunscreens, we may be able to decrease the incidence by maybe 30 or 40%, because sunscreens are not perfect. They still allow sun penetration to the skin. Yeah, and common sense figures in, I'm sure, what time of day you're out in the sun and for how long. Absolutely. I mean, it's just, you know, saying that this sunscreen, it's not like you have a 100% block of these sun rays. They are getting to your skin, and it depends on where you live. I mean, where you're at, sun exposure can be much more detrimental to where I'm at. Um, but even on a cloudy day at sea level, you still have significant sun exposure. Do I like being out in the sun? Yes. Do I always wear sunscreen? No. Um, but I do it when I'm going to be out for long periods of time. And I do it definitely if I'm at, you know, in Telluride skiing. There's no chance that I'm going to ever go out there without sunscreen. Okay, thank you. So what's the deal with nitric oxide in our bodies? According to Jacobson again, Dr. Richard Weller, the dermatologist, he quotes as his primary source for assertion. He, um, this guy, Weller, um, says we overdo sunscreen, um, um, that we overdo sunscreen. And he came to his conclusions about the negative side of sun avoidance based on research on nitric oxide. What's the correlation here, if any, and what's nitric oxide all about? Okay, um, so we're talking about nitric oxide, not nitrous oxide. Nitrous oxide is Sorry. a laughing gas, um, and some people get. <laughs> I stand corrected. <laughs> no, no, you didn't. You you had it correct. So, but a lot of people, okay. when I say nitric oxide, think I'm talking about nitrous oxide. Um, what it does is it's a vasodilator. It helps control blood pressure. Uh, there is some release by. Um, sunlight exposure. We don't know that we blocked a tremendous, we haven't done the studies to say, okay, with an SPF 15, an SPF 30, an SPF 50, you know, how much are we blocking? Do we have the same release? Is it all coming from the skin or does some of it release because we have exposure through our eyes? So we have not done the prospective studies we need to do. But nitric oxide is important in regards to blood pressure and other things. And we know in mice, um, which Weller, I think, gets some of his evidence from, you know, when you expose yes. them to sunlight. Um, it may decrease uh, 
their propensity to obesity. It may help with blood pressure and other things, but those are mice. Um, and they're not getting a lot of cutaneous sun exposure. They do have fur. These were not a type of mice without uh, hair. So did they get a lot of sun exposure to their skin? No. Um, but still they had an increase, you know, benefit from sun exposure. So is it coming from burning your skin, which these mice did not burn, um, because they, you know, it's like, is my dog going to get a sunburn? Not typically. Uh, you know, does my dog get sun exposure to its skin? Not typically. Neither do the mice. So it was a basic leap in faith taking a healthy substance, which is nitric oxide, which may have cardiovascular benefits, may have benefits in decreasing appetite and other things that we need to explore further, and saying mm -hmm. you need to not put on sunscreen so you have more nitric oxide. Okay, please respond to this statement from the outside story in quotes. Weller kept finding evidence that didn't fit the official story. Some of the best came from Pelle Lindqvist, a senior research fellow in obstetrics and gynecology at Sweden's Karolinska Institute, home of the Nobel Prize in Physiology or Medicine. Lindqvist tracked the sunbathing habits of nearly 30,000 women in Sweden over a 20-year period. Originally, he was studying blood clots, which he found occurred less frequently, less frequently sorry, in women who spent more time in the sun and less frequently during the summer. Lindquist looked at diabetes next. Sure enough, the sun worshippers had much lower rates. Melanoma, true, the sun worshippers had a high, higher incident of it, but they were eight times less likely to die from it. So he's, that was the quote. So he's looking at um, blood clots, he's looking at diabetes, and he's looking at melanoma and saying, better for you if you stay out in the sun without sunblock. Please comment on that quote. Um, that is probably, in my mind, one of the most ridiculous studies to quote. Um, it's not a study. So if I'm going to do a study and I'm going to retrospectively look at people that have been out in the sun a lot, tell me about their habits. Are they thinner? Yes, morbidly obese are not usually sunbathing. Are they more active? Quite often much more active. Are they thinner? Yes, quite often thinner. So they're going to have lower risk of diabetes. They're going to be more active. They're going to have lower risk of blood clots. They may feel better. They may even have better bone density because they're exercising. They're doing weight-bearing exercise. And we're, we're not, we don't have a comparative population. If I took two exact populations of exercise habits, eating habits, weight, BMI, you know, baseline hemoglobin A1Cs, and then did a prospective study and had half of them go out into the sun, that would be a reasonable study. But this isn't because you're studying a group of people that are outside that are probably more attuned to a very active lifestyle and probably a healthier diet even um, and a thinner population compared to a, a sicker population that may be indoors. People that are sick don't tend to go outdoors. Um, you know, they tend to sit there. A population that sits in front of, I could do a similar study just saying I'll compare it to people that sit indoors in front of a television. Almost anything I could do, I would prove, would be healthier than that. Um, so I don't find that a scientific study, and I think quoting this in the article is somewhat dangerous. Um, so, you know, as a lot of the comments on this study, I find personally some of them dangerous comments to have made. Okay, I'm going to throw another one in that's really the drum roll of the article. So address this notion, um, a very, very big idea in, in this piece, as I said, a kind of drum roll. In quotes, Lingfist's team put it in perspective. Avoidance of sun exposure 
is a risk factor of similar magnitude as smoking in terms of life expectancy? Um, I'm not sure that deserves a drum roll. I'm not sure what that deserves. There's no data. Um, Yes, people that get out in the sun have much more active lifestyles. They're quite different than people that are sedentary and indoors. Um, We're not saying don't go out in the sun. We're saying be judicious with sun exposure. Even the Australians who have a tremendous, you know, increase in melanoma in New Zealand and Australia uh, lead the pack in regards to melanomas. Even their, you know, he quotes some of the things in there, I believe, in regards to the Australians. Um, and they don't recommend going out in the sun without, you know, sunscreen on. Um, they don't make those recommendations. And saying that we can compare that to something well studied, which is smoking, to something that we haven't done comparative, good comparative studies as sun exposure, and we're not talking about complete sun exposure. When he says, you know, wearing sunscreens is complete sun exposure, that's somewhat ridiculous. Um, You know, when we go out, even if we have sunscreen on, do I put it on my legs consistently? No. Do I reapply consistently? No, not as much as I should. So I have significant sun exposure, and saying that that is as big a risk as smoking, I think, is ludicrous. Thank you. To be fair and balanced, Jacobson also quoted David Fisher, chair of the dermatology department at Mass General. Um, and he, Fisher is quoted as saying, um, the risks of sun cancer far outweigh the benefits of sun exposure. Somebody might take these conclusions, meaning the ones that we just discussed above, the linguist ideas, for example. He believes um, someone might take these conclusions to mean that the skin cancer risk is worth it to lower all-cause mortality or to get a benefit in blood pressure. I strongly disagree with that. It's not worth it, unless all other options for lowering blood pressure are exhausted. Instead, Fisher recommends vitamin D pills and hypertension drugs as safer approaches. So how do you respond to uh, David Fisher's position? I completely agree with him. Um, And I'm not even sure, you know, that we have all the data that we should at this point. We're continuing to study vitamin D, not only in animals, but in people. Um, we've, for thousands of years, humans have understood that sunlight is important and it has a significant impact on our human health and disease. And we know that, you know, there's three different types of light, visible light, and then the ultraviolet spectrum, uh, and then infrared radiation. And we know exposure to those may have some benefits, um, but I think we have to be judicious in our exposure to those and not make such, you know, a scientist doesn't make these broad claims uh, without great scientific data, um, and I don't think we have it right now. So I think there are benefits to sun exposure, but the negative consequences to ultraviolet radiation exposure overdone are very significant. And to downplay the uh, side effects of a melanoma, not just mortality. When a doctor just says, I worry about people that died of this disease, is you know underestimating morbidity. How many people get sick from this disease? How many people had extensive surgery? How many continue to get chemotherapy? How many are following up with oncologists? How many of them have repeat mm-hmm. surgeries? Um, and it's not an inconsequential number that die. It's a huge number of people that get sick. You know, it's number five in regards to estimated new cases. So I agree with that doctor completely. With Dr. Fisher. 
Thank you. Um, yeah, because Jacobson really goes out on a limb because in the title of the story, he is saying that sunscreens may be the new margarine um, and goes back and cites the, the final studies on margarine from the 1970s and, said, and says that it was analogous. So what I would like you to do is comment on that and on stories like this one written by lay people and not vetted by the medical community at large. Yeah, I mean, we have to be careful. If I write an article, and I've published many, um, it's vetted by the medical community. I have editors that will look at it. Other doctors have a chance to comment on it. There'll be editorials after it. Um, it's not going to be published unless somebody thinks it's reasonable science. And in this case, it's not really reasonable science, I don't think. So I don't think this is, you know, written in the lay um, press is m quite different than an article that's going to be published in the New England Journal of Medicine or the Annals of Internal Medicine. Um, so I think it's somewhat dangerous, and I think a lot of people are going to put themselves at risk. He didn't differentiate between different populations. Uh, he didn't differentiate between different altitudes people live at or how far from the equator um, or skin type. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, people mm -hmm. in the Netherlands can get skin cancer, and they have an increase also. So, you know, I think this was, a, in my mind, a dangerous article because it didn't have a fair and balanced approach to it. And it, and it draws a, a, an analogy between sunscreen and margarine, which I'm sure you would have a few words to say on that. Sunscreen, margarine, smoking. Um, yep. You know, I, I think that these are... These are the type of comments that get people to completely change behaviors uh, without yes. the data that we should be. Okay. Thank you very much. This has been Susan D. Brock, Telluride Inside and Out. Honored, as always, to be speaking with Dr. Alan Softy. Again, he'll be coming, returning to Telluride, which is one of his homes, is here, and we're blessed to have him in the community. He'll be returning in February to, do, uh, to begin a series of lectures for the winter, and again this summer uh, for his very popular uh, week-long retreats, uh, wellness intensives, also at the Peaks. Dr. Safdie, thanks again for joining me. Thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. You're welcome.